Welcome back to Mishnah Yomi. Today we're moving right along in Mesech, the Shabbos Paragimel, Mishnah Dalit and Mishnah Hay. We're in Parakira, the Parak, the chapter that deals with the laws of Bishl Shabbos cooking on Shabbos, and these are jam-packed Mishnayas. So much in them dealing with the concept of Hatmana, of insulating food, where the issue there is if you insulate food in something that is most of hevel, that increases the heat. We have a gezerah, one is not allowed to do so. There's a rabbinic prohibition from insulate, using an insulator that increases heat. Why? Because oftentimes, what was the best insulator they had? Hot ashes. They would bury, let's say, an egg in hot ashes, and that would keep the egg hot. Now, what would happen if they, they saw that the heat began to decrease? They'd stoke those ashes in order to kind of get the coals to re- realight, and that would be an insulator of igniting a flame. So in order to prevent this problem of a person going ahead, the scenario of a person going ahead and, and restoking these coals in order to increase the heat, the chazal, the rabbis, prohibited using an insulator that increases heat. So again, that is just one of the issues we're dealing with, but we're going to see in this Mishnah. In Tiveria, and I don't know if you've been to Tiveria, you've probably seen this, but this exists, this phenomenon exists elsewhere, they have these hot springs. So, the people of Tiveria had this ingenious idea. They wanted hot water. What did they do? They took a pipe, and they placed the pipe in the hot spring. The opening of the pipe of, uh, of one end of it was in one end of the spring. The opening of the other end of the pipe was outside on the other end of the spring. But the actual pipe ran underneath the water of this hot spring. And then they would pour water down through this pipe. So if you can ima- picture it, you have water going through a pipe. The pipe is running through hot water, and that hot water, therefore, is going to heat up the water in the pipe. Thus, as the water pours out of the other end, now, voila, you have hot water. Come along the Chachamim, Amalem Chachamim, you can't do this. One's not allowed to do this on Shabbos. Now, if you were to ask me, I would say, why can't one do this on Shabbos? It seems like it's a problem of Bishel, of cooking. Right, you have hot, you have cold water goes through a pipe and emerges hot on the other end. That would seem to be the quintessential case of Bishel, but that's not the concern here. The concern here is in fact hatmana, that the water is insulated in this pipe and it's in an insulator that is increasing the heat. Haraya, the proof is that it comes out hot on the other end, and therefore because it seems like you're insulating it, we have the issue hatmana, and therefore what the consequences are asur that if it is on Shabbos. We treat it like water that was heated up on Shabbos. And we have a concept called Maise Shabbos. Again, as I mentioned, these are jam-packed Mishnayos. And one of the concepts that comes up in Hilkha Shabbos is that actions that were performed in a prohibited way on Shabbos, sometimes we look at the totza'ah, the result of the action, such as a case of food that's cooked on Shabbos. And we may say that food is actually prohibited until after Shabbos or even longer. So here we treat this as water that was heated up on Shabbos, and therefore you cannot use it for washing nor for drinking. And if it was on Yom Tov, you can't. You can We treat as water is heated up on Yom Tov. We therefore asur bechitzo umutar mishdia. And one's allowed to drink from it because, as we know, on Yom Tov one's allowed to heat up water to drink, but one's not allowed to heat up Yom Tov to wash one's entire body. Again, jam packed mishnayos. There is a whole another discussion about if, if that's changed nowadays or not. But back then the assumption was one was not allowed to wash their entire body because that wasn't something that people needed every single day. And therefore, one's not allowed to wash with it. Now, again, the question I asked is, why are we only looking at this as hot mana? Shouldn't this be a case of Bishel? I'm heating up the hot water, and perhaps one can argue, and I've heard um, this argument made, I believe, by Rabbi Tzvi Sabolovsky. He wanted to say that when we, discuss, when we discuss the concept of Bishel, which is very apropos for this entire parak of cooking, 
What do we mean by cooking? Do we mean that we transform an item from being raw into now a cooked state? Or do we require ash, fire? Is fire integral for the cooking process? Or do we merely have to take something that was raw, such as the pepper, and turn it into a cooked pepper? And perhaps we can bring a proof from this Mishnah. And again, there's a lot more to this, not just for Mishnah Yomi podcast. Maybe one day we'll do a uh, Daf Be'in podcast, uh, in depth podcast. But perhaps one can see from this Mishnah the fact that we are not concerned about the fire heating up the water, except for the fact that it's hatmana. But we're not concerned about the bishal component. That really, we are, this mission is defining bishal as only when fire transforms it, but not when the food gets transformed from heat itself. And if you think this is just a nice theoretical theoretical debate, well, I'll bring to you a debate that came to the fore in the 1960s in America. Microwaves. Microwaves got introduced, and they became a big machlokus. The major, major postgame. Rav Shlomo Zalman Orbach and Rav Moshe Feinstein, if we define Bishel by the normal way in which things cook, even if there is no fire, Rav Moshe Feinstein, and therefore he said that he can see in the foreseeable future once microwaves become ubiquitous in every household and that becomes a way to cook, I would say in every dorm that's definitely the way to cook, it be- may become an Issa de Arisa because that's the way, even though there is no fire involved, whereas Rav Shlomo Zalman said no, that fire is integral for the cooking process and without it, yes, you may have Durabanans, but it's not going to be de Arisa. Okay. Moving right along, so that's the first part of our Mishnah, where the concern with the with the, Anche, the of the Anche Teveria was one of Hatmana, that you were insulating the water in the springs of Teveria, and that was a spring that was in, that that increased the heat. Now we're going to see some more Talmudic uh, utensils. Milyar Hagruf. What's a milyar? So it's some sort of heating vessel. Uh, if you can picture and imagine, almost like a thermos. But instead of having two walls, and inside, and in the middle of the, the two walls, you have, let's say, water inside a wall, and then another wall inside of you have some sort of insulator. Here, they would actually put coals, and that would allow the, um, the, the, um, the water to stay hot. So if a person takes a milyar and they grow, they're, they're gorifit, they empty out the coals, shows them the Shabbos and they drink from it on Shabbos. Why? Because although the water's hot, once the coals leave, it's not the water, it's, it's not going to, the actual utensil is not going to be hot enough that it's going to add heat, and therefore it's just going to keep it hot, which is not a problem. Again, the only problem of, of insulating is when it increases heat. However, in Antivchi, this is a different type of receptacle, a different type of vessel, where there was a double bottom, and in the bottom, in, in, in between the two bottoms, there was a place for coals. That was apparently, it got way hotter, and since it got way hotter than this milieu, so even if you were to remove the uh, the coals, you may not drink from it because it gets so intensely hot that the water will get increased, the heat will be increased even when the coals are removed. Mishnah, hey. So here it comes again. This is going to be a little longer podcast. It's another major, major sugya discussion when it comes to the laws of Hilcha Shabbos. And that's as follows. We are of the assumption that the way in which cooking happens is you take a pot, you put it on the fire, you turn the fire on, and it cooks. That's something everyone agrees to. Now, what happens to that pot? The assumption is even when that pot comes off the fire, we still label it a kli rishon, as in the first kli. That's the easy way of keeping in, in, keeping it a, all, all, keeping score here. The first kli, the kli rishon, the, 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 the kli, the vessel that was on the fire, we assume so long as the water in there is hot enough, even once you're moving from the fire and it's no longer necessarily bubbling, if it's hot enough, it can still cook, which is true, by the way. You can take a pot, a very hot pot, and you take it off the fire and the water had been at boiling temperature. Even if it's not actually bubbling, it still has the potential to cook to some extent. 
However, once you take that water and you pour it from the first vessel into a second vessel, let's just use a case, you take a kettle and you pour it into a teacup, we assume at that point, now none of this should be halacha lemaisa because there's a lot more steps involved, but just for understanding our Mishnah, meaning to say, once you use a second vessel, in our case, a teacup, we assume the teacup is not going to cook. Now, you may ask, what's the difference between the first kli and the second kli, a teacup and the and the tea kettle, and both of them, the water is incredibly hot. So Tosfus already asked this question, and the Arsameach asked this question, or Salvechik asked this question, everyone and their uncle asked this question. Tosfus gives perhaps the most famous answer, where Tosfus says as follows, that we don't look at the temperature of the water, but we look at the temperature of the walls of the pot, because that indicates where the temperature of the water is going to go. Meaning to say as follows, if the pot, the, the walls of the of the pot are very hot, because again, they were the ones that were heated up, that indicates that the water, even if it's only 130 degrees, it's going to increase in heat. Whereas if the walls of the teacup are cold, because you pulled it out of the cabinet, so even if the water itself is 130 degrees, that shows it's rapidly going to decrease the longer it's sitting out there for. So because we look at where we look at where the, the water is going, not where it is. And what's the reason for that? Because cooking always takes at least some 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 amount of time. And because t- cooking takes some amount of time, we therefore we, we gauge the uh, the heat not by the water, but by the heat of the walls. Because that, again, that's going to indicate how long the water itself is going to stay hot for. So that's the I guess the logic behind klirisho and klisheni. So now that we, with that introduction, so again, klirisho, the kli that was on the fire, the kettle that cooks. Klisheni, the assumption is. In general cases, it's not going to cook. With that in mind, you take a kettle, again, the assumption is the kettle is what's cooking on the fire, and you remove it from the fire. You can't put a small amount of water into it because there's something, you put a small amount of water into it, it's going to heat up. But you may put a large amount of cold water into the kettle. Why? Because you put enough water into it, it's going to end up cooling down the water inside, not heating it up. Or you may put a small amount of cold water into a cup as an into a into a cat into a into a uh, teacup and then put uh, the hot water into the teacup as well meaning that once it's in a secondary vessel as we pointed out once it's in the teacup so we no longer are concerned of cooking so even if you pour water from the kettle into the teacup and it's piping hot you could put cold water in there as well we're not concerned that cold water is going to be cooked today last year and what's the reason you're doing this in order to uh warm up the cold water to get, make it tepid um and the assumption again is it's not going to cook it if you have a pan, Ilfus and Kadera, these are pans and pots that you remove from the fire and the contents inside are still boiling. Boiling, And we say boiling, we don't necessarily mean that the it's bubbling. We mean that it's hot enough that if someone were to touch it, they recoil. How hot that is, so it's very hard to actually gauge. And we have all sorts of uh, measurements in the found of the tavlin. Well, we not add spices to them because we assume the spices will get spices will get cooked. But you may add spices into a bowl or a serving bowl. Again, the difference between a bowl and a serving bowl and a pan and a pot is the pan and the pot came from off, came right directly from the fire, whereas the bowl and the serving bowl are secondary vessels. And again, secondary vessels don't cook, as Tosis pointed out, because cooking takes time, and the actual bowl and serving bowl are cold, even though the contents are hot. Rehuda disagrees, goes to the Nosen, where may add spices into anything he assumes spices do not get cooked so easily, Except for food that contains vinegar or fish brine, and then he said that would, in fact, heat up and cook the spices fast enough, and therefore one could not add it in. I wish you all a wonderful day.